0: This morning, we're going to talk about how to experience financial freedom. In fact, I know I just gave you a lot of information. It's a little bit like taking it from a fire hose. And so, would you just take a deep breath? Relax. Even if you want, you don't have to. Close your eyes. Just let the pressure of the week melt away. The anxiety and the stress of perhaps even trying to get to church dissipate. And I want you to do this. I want you to imagine what it would look like for you to be financially free or to have financial freedom. I mean, what exactly would that feel like? To be free from student loans Maybe free from your mortgage or rent, free from living from month to month, maybe free from under the weight of debt or credit, credit card debt. I mean, if you were financially free, just imagine, go there with, with me for a second. If you had financial freedom, what house would you have? Maybe it's houses. What kind of car would you drive? What kind of vacations would you go on if you're financially free? What job would you have? Maybe you'd have a different job. Maybe you'd wear different clothes. How much money would be in the bank for you to feel financially free? In fact, just stay with that picture for a little bit. I know it feels like, oh, I don't have debt. And that feels amazing. Now, I'll wrestle with this question. How much money do you need to be financially free? Do you got a number? A few hundred thousand? A million? A few million? How do you know that it will be enough? All right. Now, those who closed their eyes and took a brief nap, welcome back. Now, after this little exercise, I did it earlier this week, and this, let me ask you this. Did you feel that financial freedom was closer or further away? Closer, just raise your hand. Further away. Yeah, yeah, okay, most of you, further away. Were you more encouraged or discouraged by the time you got to the point of how much money does it take to be financially free? i got to be honest, as I began to think through it, I was a little discouraged and went through that. But what would it look like if we could actually live lives that are financially free? I'd like to suggest there are actually two approaches. They're fundamentally opposite or fundamentally different to experiencing financial freedom. Uh, One approach... Is, is, is one where you can spend your whole life pursuing, and yet you never arrive. And the second approach is one where you can experience financial freedom right now. In fact, the first approach is the American approach, is how we go about financial freedom. It is our pursuit. Approach number one says this to financial freedom. Get all you can. That's the American way. Get all you can. To be financially free, you must accumulate all that you can. Get more and more and more. How do you know you have enough? I'm not really sure because you're never quite certain what the economy is going to do. You're never quite certain, uh, you know, how the stock market's going to sway. You can have so much in a 401k, but then as we know in 2008, it can be gone. How do you know? And so you have to accumulate and get all you can. The perspective in this approach is the perspective of one who's entitled. Entitled simply means to believe oneself to be inherently deserving of privilege. The entitled is I have the right This is the American way. I have the right to get all that I can. I have the right to pursue the American dream, to pursue independence, financial independence, financial freedom. I'm entitled to it. And so as a result, our attitude is one of deserve or deserving. I deserve to drive blank. I deserve to wear. I deserve to have I deserve this type or level of education. Now, here's what's interesting, by the way. Let's back it up for the entitled, because I think the millennials have gotten a bad rap, right? They've been classified or labeled, some of you know this, as the entitled generation. The millennials are not the entitled generation, America is. Okay, We live as an entitled, deserving nation. I'd love to go into the history of it. If you ever want to research or study it, it started post-World War II. Fascinating study of, of what, where our entitlement began. But that is the American mindset. As a result, our attitude is one of deserving. And so our approach is consume or hoard. If I'm entitled to it, and as a result, I deserve X, then I'm going to consume it for my own use. I'm going to hoard it and try to keep or save it because there is this mentality that we have when it comes to finances that, it, that we have the scarcity mentality. Well, I'm not sure if there's enough. How long is it going to? Be? I got to get mine. We care less about others because I got to get mine. So you consume. I remember, this is a funny story. So when I was a kid... I love shrimp. I love shrimp. Still do. Uh, but at Christmas, my mom would get once a year the little shrimp platter, you know, with the uh, what is those? What's it called? Yeah, cocktail sauce. There you go. And you know what I'd do? Man, I was like a ravaged wolf because it was scarcity mentality. And so I was over there, and I was afraid anyone else would eat the shrimp and enjoy my shrimp. Why? Because they're my shrimp. No, 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 they're the family shrimp, but I'm the one that loves them the most. And so, I mean, you would just see me, and I'd be like pounding, 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 pounding. Why? Because what ended up happening is then the result was I was worried. I was worried that there wouldn't be enough, that I wouldn't get mine, That somehow someone else would get what I don't have. So even though I had shrimp, I was still worried. And that is how we approach financial freedom in our country. Will you have enough? What if someone else gets yours? And we buy into this idea that when I get more, then I'll be financially free. Now here's what's amazing. I've seen people who are extremely poor and they are not financially free, and I've seen people who are extremely wealthy and they are not financially free. And I have seen people who are extremely poor and yet financially free, and I've seen people who are incredibly wealthy and yet are financially free. It all determines, it's based upon your approach. See, because just more doesn't make you free. In fact, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. You didn't have to worry before you had that brand new car, but now you're worried that someone will hit that brand new car. You didn't have the pressure and concerns of that mortgage, but now you have the worry and the weight of the pressures and concerns of that mortgage. And what if something breaks and now you're over leveraged and you don't have enough money at the end of the month? Isn't it interesting that the more you have, the more you have to worry about. It doesn't automatically bring financial freedom. All right, perspective number two. So if the perspective number one is get all you can, perspective number two, give all you can. This is God's recipe for financial freedom. Give all you can to be financially free. You have to first embrace it was never yours to begin with. To be financially free, to be free from your finances, to let the grip of greed get off your soul, you have to first embrace it was never mine. And so your perspective is one uh, as entrusted. You have, I have been entrusted by God you have been entrusted with your intellect you have been trusted with your health you have been entrusted with the education you have you've been entrusted with the family or the kids that you have you've been entrusted by the way we all of us regardless of where you're at on the socioeconomic status you have been entrusted by living in america you didn't determine where you were born. I didn't get to determine where I was born. And yet, we were born in the wealthiest country. And we live, and some of you to grown about this, in the most expensive, wealthiest place in the country. Perspective entrusted. And so as a result, if I'm entrusted with, my attitude is one as indebted. It's one of gratitude, of going, I'm indebted to God. I'm entrusted by God, and so I'm indebted to God. All that I have is His anyways. This is really powerful, by the way, for those with kids. Because so oftentimes, we we fail to remember that they're His kids, that He cares for them way more than we could ever care for them, that He loves them and we're actually entrusted by him to steward his kids and holding it out with open hands cuz honestly parenting's scary right and parenting's hard and and you begin to realize you have very little control so you might as well trust the one who's in control and really give him give them to him and so our attitude our perspective is one is entrusted. Our attitude is indebted. Okay, God, thank you. And so then our approach, steward. Steward. I'm a steward or I'm an investor. I, it's God's. I'm indebted to him. Thank you very much. So all that I have. So the difference is mine, his, right? That's, that's the only difference. Mine, his. And see, as long as your stuff has a tight, as long as you have a tight grip on your stuff, your stuff always has a tight grip on you. His. His steward. How can I steward your money? God, how would you want to me to use your money? It is not mine, it is yours. You have entrusted it with to me. I'm indebted to you, and so it's yours. Do with it as you will. But I worked really hard for it. You're exactly right. Who gave you the ability to work really hard for it? Who gave you the mind to think like that? God, okay, very good. Entrusted, indebted. And so the result is enjoy. You actually get to enjoy what God gave you because you're not so worried about losing it all because it was already given to you. You're not so worried about comparing with everyone else around you And wondering, well, I didn't get mine. You're thankful for what you did get. By the way, isn't the worst thing for those of us who do have kids that you see in your kids is ingratitude? I wonder what it would look like if we just put a mirror to ourselves and perhaps to some of our thoughts about the way we thought about what we had as opposed to what someone else down the street has. Because ingratitude is not just a result or action of kids, is it? We struggle with it. Generosity is the pathway to truly enjoying what God has provided. Because now you're not all, okay, if I don't get this, I'm like, man, God give, gave it to me. I'm going to steward to the best of my ability, open handed. So I'm not really worried about it. It's all His, anyways. And what he gives me, I am freed up to enjoy. It's, it's amazing. The paradox of generosity. In fact, that's a great title for a book. Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson, sociologists at Notre Dame, wrote a book entitled The Paradox of Generosity. It's not a Christian book. In it, they unpacked what ancient Proverbs... Has said over three thousand years ago, the proverb of wisdom says this: One person gives freely yet gains even more, while another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. Did you know in America, forty-four point eight percent of Americans do not give anything away. Wealthiest country on the face of the planet. Did you know that thirteen point nine percent give less than two percent away? Did you know that only 2.7% of Americans give 10% or more of their income away annually? And by the way, because some of us think that when I get here, I'll give more away. The more people make, often the less they give. What's fascinating was they did a sociological study. And what they found was those who give away at least 10% are happier than those who do not. In fact, the paradox of generosity was this giving away, this generous experiencing financial freedom, was they experienced happiness, bodily health, purpose in the living, avoidance of depression, and interest in personal growth. In fact, conclusions to their study said if Americans want to become happier, healthier people who live with greater purpose, suffer less depression, and enjoy more personal growth, one way they might better accomplish that is to learn to be more generous. Perhaps you can't afford not to be generous. Two approaches to financial freedom get all you can. Or give all you can. In fact, would you bring the title slide up for me? The, uh, the graphic for me? Because you, you got it. There you go. Indebted. That tagline isn't just a tagline. In blank we trust. How you fill in that blank reveals or determines whether you're a get all you can or give all you can. In blank we trust. On your dollar bill, on my dollar bill, it says what? In? Yeah. Not really, but that's what it says on our currency. To be a reminder. See, when you give all you can, you are placing your trust and your faith in the hands of God. Oftentimes we say in money, I trust. In being fiscally responsible. In hoarding, or you're not hoarding, savings. It's not hoarding, I'm just, I'm shrewd. No, I'm not stingy. I'm shrewd. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I like to gather, but I don't like to give. And how you fill in that blank will reveal and determines whether you're a get-all-you-can-or-give-all-you-can approach. And so with the remainder of our time, I just want to give you some practices of those who are financially free. So if you want, you don't have to. But if you want to walk out this morning experiencing financial freedom, regardless of your social economic status, regardless of whether you're way in debt right now or not, you can walk out and experience a level of freedom that you have not and continue on that road. And we've picked it up where we left off last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul is talking to a church that lived uh, in Corinthians, which is one of the most wealthy cities in the ancient world and yet as a wealthy church, they were struggling to be generous. And then you have this Macedonian church, which was impoverished and persecuted, and yet they were experiencing financial freedom and joy. And in fact, it had this really cool saying, if you go back to say it there, extreme poverty and overwhelming joy, like as if those two things could be in the same sentence. But this is what we're talking about, that your circumstances aren't contingent on your joy. Your circumstances aren't contingent on your freedom, but you get to experience the freedom of God in your life. And here he's going to teach us, okay, how can you begin to practice, put into practice experiencing financial freedom? The first thing he's going to say is seek out wise counsel. Seek wise counsel. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians verse 8. And here's my judgment about what is best. Underline that. What is best for you in this matter? Here's what I've found about people who are financially free. Financially free people are voracious learners. They get wise counsel. They find people that have their best interest, that bring a godly perspective and go, okay, here's what I want to know. I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. I want to know what's absolutely best for my life. Hey, here's here's my judgment about what is best. Financial people are voracious learners. In fact, I put further resources at the end of your notes, not for me. I've read them all. A great way to seek out wise counsel is what? What? Read a book. I know some of you are like, I do not read. Okay. There's this incredible resource online called Podcast. It's crazy. On your drive to work, you can be seeking wise counsel. But of course, seeking wise counsel, there's people. Here's what I encourage you. Find someone three to five steps ahead of you in life that you respect who they are and where they're going. And then here's what I want you to do. So, so oftentimes we seek wise counsel with people in the same stage. That's not going to help you. Three to five steps ahead. And here's what I want you to do. Ask a question and then shut up. I don't talk. So often you seek, and I've heard this, I've watched this. I've had people come talk to me or I've done this myself too. Go to seek wise counsel. I walk away, realize I talk the whole time. I don't know. No. It's not a counseling session where you go, I'm just gonna talk and let it out. Seek wise counsel. You want their insight, their ask a question, and then you just zip it. Take notes. You remember what you write. Take notes. Why do you think we have notes right here? Because you remember what you write. Take notes. Seek out wise counsel. And in fact, I started embracing a new habit because if I'm really honest, this has been a process for me in growing how to do this because I so wanted people to think I knew that I acted like I already knew. Ever been there? That that you're in a situation, and sometimes this happens in our missional communities, by the way. You so want people to think you know what you're talking about. You don't ask the question. You need to ask the question. But you so want others to think that you actually know what's going on that you don't ask and get in the know. So I started a new habit. Anything that I don't really know and I'm with someone who's an expert, I ask them to explain it to me as if I know nothing like, absolutely nothing. Start at ground zero. So this summer, I bought a brand-new surfboard. Grew up my whole life surfing in Santa Cruz. And, uh, so, but I'm a shortboarder, and I, I'm getting older, so now I'm switching to longboard. And, uh, yeah, my man card's in play a little bit. Whatever. And so I bought this new surfboard from my buddy Arun, and, I mean, he shaped the board. And he's got the fins there, and he's putting them in. And I, I looked at it. I know what the fins do. I understand how they provide balance and thrust and all that stuff, but there's a lot I don't know, and he's an expert. And so I said, Arun, would you tell me all about the fence and what they do? And he looked at me and kind of (laughs) laughed. Really? I said, yeah, start from the beginning. And he did. And guess what? I learned some things I never would have known because if I acted like I knew, I wouldn't have got it. The other day, I was talking with my buddy Eric. He's a financial guy, and one of the areas that I've researched, in fact, Total Money Makeover talks about it, like investing in the stock market and all this sort of stuff. It's overwhelming to me, but I've done some reading on this. But I mean, he's got his MBA, and this is the area that he works in, and we're starting to talk and have this conversation. I'm asking him questions and. And he's just going, well, you know this and you know this. I said, time out, time out. Eric, do this for me. Pretend like I'm an idiot. He didn't have to pretend hard. <laughs> said, okay, but act like I know nothing on it and start with real simple terms. Because I want to learn this and I don't want to pass by. There could be critical information that I do not understand, could it be that one of the things that's keeping you from being financially free is your own pride in asking someone else for help and seeking out wise counsel? I know it has been for me. I know there's times in my life where I've acted like I knew, but I didn't really know. Seek out wise counsel, first step to experiencing financial freedom. Second, follow through on the good you intend to do. He continues, last year you were the first not only to give but also have this desire to do so. Now finish the work, finish what you started, so that your eager willingness, your desire, your intentions to do it may be matched by your completion of it, The practice of those who are tri- financially free is they follow through on the good they intended to do. Now, this is the difference between good intentions and a God conviction. We often have good intentions about things. Oh, I intended to do that. And somehow we act as if our intentions actually mean something. Okay, you're not with me. Let me get this. Okay, in, um, in my marriage, if I intended, oh, yesterday I cleaned the bathrooms, okay? I know, it's a big, big day, big day, big day, big, 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 big day. Here's the problem. I've intended to clean the bathrooms for two weeks. Okay. It did not count until I actually cleaned the bathrooms. You got me? Okay, you, you're you're you a little slow this morning. All right, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, there was two weeks of intending to, two weeks of yeah, I really need to get around to that. Oh, I want to. Oh, that's so terrific that you want to. You didn't. They're dirty. They're undone. It's a mess. I have small boys. There's pee everywhere. Okay, the intention didn't stand up until it was went to completion. See, there's a difference between good intentions and a God conviction. And so oftentimes when we come to giving and we come to generosity, here's how we operate. We operate and give out of convenience instead of conviction. It's convenient. It's easy. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's because you're like um, manipulated and we don't ever want to do that. And if you ever sense that here, do not, do not, do not give. Okay. But we often give out a convenience, not a conviction. See, there's a difference. You, you intend, when you have good intentions, but you don't have a God conviction, when it becomes difficult to give, you will not. When, it's, when it requires a sacrifice, good intentions, well, I don't know about now. When you have to say no to something. See, a God conviction says, you know what? God called me and placed this on my heart, and so I'm going to follow through. What would it look like for you to follow through on the good you intended to do? And some things there may be left undone that God has placed on your heart. And you go, okay, I'm going to follow through on the good I intended to do. I'm going to bring it to completion. See, that's, that's the habit of those who are financially free. The third area for those who are financially free. They begin with what they do have, not with what they don't have. He's, he goes on and says, according to your means. So not according to what you do not have. According to your means. Now, here's what's so good. So college students, you can practice being financially free according to your means. It's not one day, someday. And you don't talk about what you don't have. Well, I don't have a lot of money. Or you know what I do have? I have a lot of student debt. Okay. Um, Go, you know what? I have a little bit of money. I'm gonna steward that wisely. I have a lot of time. Guess what? You do have a lot of time. I hate to break it to you. You have a lot of time. You have a I know it feels like you're busy, but just wait. Just wait. (laughs) Energy, you have way more energy. You have a lot of ability. Career, maybe you're single and you're in career according to your means. In family. Finances, time, energy, according to your means. So what does this look like? Would you practice generosity? If you're not a Jesus follower, I think this is so important that you practice generosity just for the paradox of of what we're talking about. Do not give here, but give somewhere else. I mean, you can give here. I'm not going to stop you. But I just don't want any conflict of interest. I don't want you to ever feel like like I said earlier that you're manipulated. But I think it's so good for you. It's so necessary for your heart, figure out a worthy cause to give and get behind. But practice generosity. Here's the difference. So oftentimes we don't practice, we do random or sporadic generosity. Practice is systematic, habitual giving. Biblically, for those of us followers of Jesus, it's called a tithe. It's called, okay, tithe literally means a tenth. Where we'd start, and then the New Testament talks about uh, bringing the first fruits of what we have and, and proportionally giving to God and going, okay, I'm going to start with the 10th of what I have, bring it and give to God. And then the offering was over and above that 10th. So when we're talking about the generous campaign, we're talking about over and above your regular habitual act of giving. And for some of you, you need to get into a habitual regular act of giving. And for if, you, if there's, like I said again, any, any, any intention, give somewhere else. But begin to practice generosity, not sporadic generosity. Get out of destructive debt. See, someone can't give according to your means because you're living beyond your means. In fact, I want you to do a hat practice with me this week. Would you do this? You got this little follow your money deal right here. We got this. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you just do this for me? At least pretend. Okay. Would you just track your money this week? By the way, you can't be a good steward or a wise investor if you don't know where your money's going. If, if I gave you 100 bucks and then I asked you to you know steward that well, and then I asked, hey, how'd you spend my $100? Um, and you go, I don't know. I'd be like, cool, I'm not giving you 100 bucks again, right? When we, when we give all our we can, we're entrusted, we're indebted, we're steward. We've got to know where our money's going. Part of figuring this out, part of helping get out of destructive debt is you begin to realize I'm living over my means in what areas can I get out of that? For some, I, I'm sorry, but your coffee addiction is causing you to go into debt. It's five, 10 bucks a day. And you go, man, if you just cut that out, you could pay that towards your credit card debt. You could start putting that towards your consumer debt and you could, you could be free And have a coffee hangover. And then never manipulate others. God or... And so oftentimes when we begin to practice generosity, we start... Because our heart is always connected to our money and getting our heart connected to God is we start to give and all of a sudden it goes with strings attached. And we try to get out. Okay, God, what can I get from you? I gave, so now you need to get this. Or someone else... I gave, you know, Del Mar, we've given thousands and thousands of dollars to this campus. From beautification to service hours to every single end of the semester, we cater a party for their entire faculty and teachers. Not once have we asked for anything and it is intentional because love is only love when it has no strings attached. Generosity is only generosity when you say, I'm not going to manipulate you by this. This is because God has so blessed us. How can we not be a blessing to you? And so the practice of those who are truly financially free, seek wise counsel, follow through on the good you intend to do, begin with what you do have, not with what you do not have. And then finally, the attitude, uh, the heart attitude is more important than the amount The heart attitude is more important than the mountain. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. Chief competitor for your heart is trusting in your money to bring security. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If the willingness is there, another way we've said it over the year, generosity is not contingent on your circumstances. It is a condition of the heart. Let me do, and I'm going to, um, just pray for us and then we're going to close our time out. But can we just do a little heart evaluation? Just kind of a little, I know we started with a little evaluation early. I want to close with an evaluation. Let me just ask you a couple questions. Do you have a difficult time trusting God with your finances? Like getting to that point where, hey, it's all yours. Whatever you show me, I'll do. Do you find it difficult to give to a need or to a worthy cause? Like you see it, but then there's this tension inside. I think this last question for me is probably the most revealing of my heart. Do you have a difficult time celebrating someone else's success or blessing? Like when someone gets something really great, maybe they got a new car, maybe they got the promotion. Do you find it hard to go, wow, man, excited for you? See, the heart attitude is way, way more important Than the amount. There's two approaches to financial freedom. Get all you can, give all you can. Second approach, you can walk out today financially free. In their book, The Paradox of Generosity, they said this, the author said this, there are two kinds of people, there's probably more, but for argument's sake, we'll go with them. There are two kinds of people, those who have sufficient, yet think they do not, and those who have the same amount and are content and happy with what they have about you would you take a heart examination go okay God I want you to deal with my heart in fact let me just pray for us and if you're here and I just invite you to um, just allow God just go okay talking about finances honestly is hard but talking about heart is hard too and where you just go, okay, here's, here's where I am at, God. I'm just going to leave space for silence and let you talk with God. Invite him into the tension of your soul. Invite him into the places where you go, man, I really wrestled with what Ingram said there. Or I really didn't, man, I feel overwhelmed and I want to I feel free. God, would you do a work in my heart? So I'm just gonna leave a little bit of silence and then I'll pray and cause us out. God, your word says that it is for freedom that you have set us free. And so I pray in this moment that there would be men and women who experience afresh your freedom, regardless of their circumstance, who take seriously your word, begin to trust you with their whole life, God, I ask that you would make us a people that live extravagantly generous lives, that so love to bless because we understand and recognize how blessed we are. In Jesus' name, amen.